Welcome again to Looking for Jesus' Church. As we're going through the book of Acts, we are paying uh, close attention to what we are finding about Jesus' church, about Christians, and looking at the book of Acts and seeing, okay, how can this help us as we are searching for the Lord's church today? Uh, what are some, some things that we're looking for? Some, I, I guess, identifying features, some characteristics that will help us as we look for His church today. In this episode, we are in Acts chapter 4. And as we continue on, remember in the previous episode that Peter and John, by the power of the Lord, have just healed a lame man. And Peter has just preached another sermon to a crowd that gathered around. Beginning now in Acts chapter 4, it says, Now as they spoke to the people... The priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. First off, something that we need to know is that the Sadducees did not believe that there is a resurrection. We can look at a passage like Matthew chapter 22, verse 23, basically flat out says just that. They do not believe in a resurrection. So they were uh, greatly disturbed or greatly annoyed that these men are teaching that there is a resurrection because these religious leaders, the Sadducees, they didn't believe that at all. Notice once again, they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. We've seen in the last several chapters in this book, and it will continue in this chapter as well, the importance upon the name of Jesus Christ, or proclaiming something in His name, or salvation in His name. They were proclaiming in Jesus, in His name, resurrection of the dead. Persecution cannot stop Jesus' church. We see that here. They are arrested for preaching something that these religious leaders did not like. But what we're going to see very soon in this chapter is that persecution, hardships, difficulties cannot and do not stop Jesus' church. That'll be something that's very important for us to file away as we're thinking about looking for the Lord's church. We're looking for the Lord's church. We're looking for a church that persecution does not stop. That hardships, while they may be very difficult, hardships and persecutions do not stop the Lord's church, the Lord's people. It says at the end, though, in verse 4, what we had just read, Many of those who heard the word, what Peter had been preaching from chapter 3, believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. We have several different passages then that kind of tell us, here's what was preached, here's what people did. Here, in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, They believed, and the number of Jesus' church came to be, at least the men, came to be about 5,000. In, in chapter 3, verse 19, in that sermon, Peter told them it wasn't just believe, but he said, Repent, therefore, and be converted. Why? 
that your sins may be blotted out. You look back at Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or for the forgiveness of sins. And those who gladly received his word, verse 41, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So something to keep in mind about Jesus' church is it's not faith only. Yes, absolutely. Faith is there. Faith is something that we must have. In fact, in other books of the Bible, like in the book of Hebrews, we find out without faith, Hebrews chapter 11, it is impossible to please God. We must have faith. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. However, this idea of we are saved by faith alone or faith only is not something that is taught in the Bible. What have we seen so far that they have been told and that people have done? Well, they've been told to repent. They've been told to be baptized. They've been told to repent and be converted so that their sins can be forgiven. And we have seen that they have believed. All of these things together... They all work towards the same thing. It's not baptism alone. It's not repentance alone. It's not faith alone. But they are all together. In in that is a all of those together is a proper response to the preaching of Jesus Christ, to the preaching of the resurrection of the dead, to hearing that and responding to it. So Peter and John have been arrested, but persecution cannot stop Jesus's church. And it came to pass on the next day. So Peter and John sent in prison overnight. Not a pleasant experience. That their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. So you've got all the, the religious leaders and the elites of their society. And when they had set them in the midst, Peter and John in the midst, they asked, by what power or by... Here's, here this is again, or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, which simply what that communicates to us is Peter being filled by the Holy Spirit means that what he is about to say comes straight from God. All right, This isn't something that Peter's just making up on the spot. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and opening his mouth to speak means what he is about to say is the word of God. This is coming straight from God. Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, remember they had healed a lame man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, by his name, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone, talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. Do you see the emphasis on 
the name of Jesus Christ. Also hope we see something else here as we think about looking for Jesus' church. Jesus' church proclaims a narrow way of salvation. What did he say there in verse 12, if you're following along with me in the chapter? He said, coming straight from God now. This isn't Peter's thoughts or opinion. This is what God has said. There, nor is there salvation in any other, in anyone else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is only in Jesus Christ. That is what Peter has said. That is what God has said. The only way to be saved, it is only in the name of Jesus Christ. It is only through him. So what we learn about Jesus' church is this. As we are looking for his church today, his church will proclaim a narrow way of salvation. That salvation is only going to be through Jesus Christ. Someone who tries to go any other direction, through anyone else, through any other name, cannot be saved. Why? Because that's what God says. If they're going to be Jesus' church, if we are going to be Jesus' church, then we have to do what God says. Salvation is only proclaimed. It is only through the name of Jesus Christ. Now notice then the reaction of all these religious elites and these leaders of the people who had gathered to what Peter said. Notice their reaction. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, it's not that they were dumb as rocks, we might say, they had no formal education. They hadn't been to some school of higher learning, so to speak. They marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them. Because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over forty years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. I want to point something out from that section we just read. It said they realized they had been with Jesus. Really, isn't this... We think about being the Lord's disciple. 
Doesn't that kind of sum up being the Lord's disciple? Discipleship. When the world can recognize that we've been with Jesus. Oh, the world may not like us. The, the world may not believe what we say. The world may have no interest in doing what we are saying or living the way we live. But the world cannot deny that's one of Jesus' disciples. That's one of Jesus' followers. Isn't that what discipleship really is? Is people should be able to tell that there is something different about us because we are the Lord's disciple. We are his follower. We are his student. We sit at his feet learning in his school, learning to be more like him. It's really what discipleship's all about. People recognizing, whereas for us, while we cannot literally be with Jesus in the sense that he's sitting, you know, walking right here beside us literally, we spend time with him in his word. It should be obvious then, if we are a follower of Christ, that as far as the sense of being with him in his word, that we have been with Jesus. It should be obvious to the world. Also, something that's interesting to see is these are the enemies of the Lord, the enemies of his followers, but they could not deny that a miracle had been done. What stands out here then is Jesus' church will continue to do what is right, even when they are threatened. The religious leaders threatened Peter and John. They threatened to punish them. I mean, these are some of the same folks who had killed Jesus not all that long before. Peter and John knew that. And they threatened Peter and John. Jesus' church cannot be stopped because Jesus' church will continue to do what is right even when they are threatened for doing what is right. And so, they let them go. And what do Peter and John do? But they turn to one of the things that is really a key for the book, a theme for the book. They pray. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage? And the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word, by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I want you to notice from this prayer, notice some things that Jesus' church believes about God, acknowledges about God. In this prayer, they acknowledge that God is the master. He is the Lord. He is the one who must be served. 
They acknowledge that God is the creator. We are here because God created us. They acknowledge that Scripture is the Word of God. This is what He has said. They acknowledge that God is all-powerful and that God sees and hears all. This is a prayer where they are coming to God with a request. Grant us boldness. Also, see to their threats. But this is a prayer that is exalting God and exalting Him for all that He is. The master, the creator, the one who has given us his word, the one who is all-powerful, the one who sees everything, the one who hears everything. From this prayer, something else that we learn about Jesus' church is that Jesus' church has a very... uh, We learn about the viewpoint that Jesus' church has of God and that Jesus' church exalts God. Jesus' church does not try to bring God down to our level. Jesus' church is not in any way, shape, or form going to make a mockery of God. But Jesus' church is going to exalt God as the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing creator, master of the universe. His church will exalt him. And then as the chapter concludes... We find some more identifying marks of the Lord's church and about the way that they live their everyday life. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, he was a Levite of the country of Cyprus, and having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet." What are some things that we see here? What are some characteristics that we see about Jesus' church? From this short section here, we see that Jesus' church is united. They were of one heart and one mind. We see that they are selfless. They were willing, by choice, voluntarily giving of what they had to help others. We notice that the Lord's church, Jesus' church, relies upon the apostles' teaching. They heard what the apostles were teaching. We see that Jesus' church emphasizes the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I hope you have seen that. And I'll spend just a moment developing our thoughts on that. How many times, it'd be interesting if you wanted to stop and go back, how many times already... In four chapters, have we seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead mentioned? I think it's probably been mentioned at least once in every single chapter. Likely, I, likely we have seen it multiple ch- times in each chapter. The fact that Jesus Christ 
died on the cross, suffered for us in our place, was buried and then rose again, rose from the dead, never more again to die. He sits at the right hand of God. That fact is emphasized heavily by Jesus' church. And then we also see the Christians voluntarily helping the poor among them. We want to know what Jesus' church looks like. We found out a great deal from this chapter what his church looks like. His church cannot be stopped by persecution. His church proclaims a narrow way of salvation. It's only through Jesus Christ. His church is recognized by the world. The world should be able to look at his followers and say, we may not like them, we may not agree with them, but that's Jesus' disciple. That's Jesus' follower. His church continues to do what is right, even when they are threatened. His church magnifies God and exalts God and praises God for who he is, for who he has always been, for who he will always be. And his church selflessly cares for one another, emphasizing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, relying upon the teaching of God's word, and are united with one heart and one mind. I appreciate you joining me again in this episode as we continue our search, continue looking for Jesus' church, and I hope you will continue to follow along with me as we study God's Word together, and we look to God's Word to find out what Jesus' church looks like today. May God bless you. We love you all, and thank you for studying along with us.